You know, we pray with expectation and we pray for God to move. And, uh, and I'm always, uh, this is, this doesn't sound good now that I'm saying it out loud. I'm always surprised when he does. <laughs> uh, I am very thankful that he does. Um, I was thinking as we were singing, uh, when's the best time to answer an invitation? Like if God's really speaking to you, when's the best time to respond? Right then. You don't have to wait to the end of a service to respond to God. And uh, as we were singing today, uh, we had one enter heaven uh, because she was moved. God called her and she answered and she surrendered her life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, So I don't think we need to ask, is God moving today? Uh, He's already shown us he's at work. And so let's just be prepared right now for what happens next as, as God speaks through his word. Today, we will be in Matthew 26, verses 30 through 35. Matthew 26, verses 30 through 35. In January, we began a study through Matthew chapters 26, 27, and 28 that leads us to the uh, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's called the Refuse series, and and each week we look at a a component of Scripture, and we'll talk about specifically what we're refusing, like today is refused to listen. But as you're turning there, I want to tell you a story about commitment, And, and this is not to brag on myself, but a few years back, I I wanted to get back to running, uh, it I just needed to do something, and so I made a commitment that over a three-month period of time, I would run 120 miles. Uh, and that, that sounds like a lot, and it was to me at that time, but it was a commitment that I was making and being held accountable through an application on my phone. So each morning, I would get up, and I would get my two dogs, Piper and Coco, and I would leash them up, and we would go running. And then we would make it back. And, you know, sometimes they would get distracted. Get, get distracted If they saw a squirrel, they would get distracted. If they saw um, a cat, they would get distracted. If they saw another dog, they would get distracted. So that's Piper and Coco. Piper's on the left, Coco's on the right. We lost Coco to liver disease just before we moved here. Um, but uh, she was a great dog, a great running dog. But uh, these two ran with me for those three months. And so when I accomplished my goal, they accomplished my goal too. And, and here's the thing, when I went back and evaluated that those three months and, and was very pleased with the, the success of the commitment, I realized that Piper and Coco never came to me and said, Master, uh, we were thinking, maybe you could help us run 120 miles over the next three months. They didn't say that. They they barked, they growled, uh, they didn't like being awakened early in the morning, but they ran with me and they accomplished my goal with me. Now there's something deeper going on here and I, I pray that God will just put this together as we go. 
Could they have run without me? Absolutely. They could run faster without me for sure. Uh, they could probably run further. But when we ran together and they were distracted, I could maintain them under protective care with the leash. I also would let them know where to turn. And when the run was finished, I I helped them achieve a goal that they did not even know they had. Uh, They were not awarded anything. They didn't get the accolades of the application on the phone and said, congratulations, you did it. They didn't get anything like that. But here's what I understand. They willingly followed their master. And as a result, they accomplished my plan of running 120 miles in three months. Boiling it down, here's what I know. They just wanted to please me. That's all. They just wanted to please me, so they obeyed me. Now, as we think about spiritual things, God is not obligated to explain where, why, or even how far. He just simply invites us to join him in his work. As we follow him, we depend on his leading We take comfort in his protective care and we accomplish his plan with him. Do we get distracted along the way? Absolutely. Easily distracted. But as we abide in his word and commit to obeying him, the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us each step of the way. So we know when to turn. So when we know when to stop, we know when to rest. And as we do that, we accomplish God's plan with him. What a great place to be. It turns out that this Christian walk is really about us listening and obeying our master because we want to please him. And as we look at scripture today, you all know Peter, disciple. He's, he's the one that often had his foot stuck in his mouth. He would often do things without thinking them through. But we know he loved Jesus. He gave up everything to follow him. Today we're going to see something in scripture that you, you've heard before likely But I pray that God would speak to us fresh through this encounter with Jesus. So we're going to be in Matthew 26, verses 30 through 35. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Verse 33, Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. 
Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Last week, we looked at Jesus redefining a practice that had been in place for over 1,200 years, the Passover feast. And if you remember, at this point, Jesus broke the bread. He said, this is the body that's broken for you. It's my body broken for you. And this is the the blood of the new covenant. It's my blood that's spilt for you. Now, we know that he was speaking metaphorically, so it's not figuratively. We're not talking about eating the flesh of Jesus or drinking the blood of Jesus. That's not what he means. He's, what was about to happen was going to purchase something new that would establish a new covenant in Jesus Christ. So he redefined what they had celebrated for 1,200 years, and they said, from this point forward, there will be a different meaning, and that meaning will be in me. So he did that. They sang together, and then they went out to the Mount of Olives. The scripture says, then Jesus said to them. Then Jesus said. And what do you think when you hear that phrase? Then Jesus said. What happens is we create a posture When we hear those words, then Jesus said, we each will have a posture, be one of three. We listen to see what he has to say. We listen to see if we want to obey or we ignore altogether. Here in this place, then Jesus said, what did he say? He said, you will all fall away. Speaking to his disciples, you will all fall away. That that phrase, fall away, means to to be uh, offended. It means to stop believing. So imagine hearing this from the one you've been following for three years. And he looks and he says to you, you're going to stop believing me tonight. You're, you're all going to be offended because of me tonight. That's pretty harsh. The second thing he said was, I will meet you in Galilee after I'm raised from the dead. Well, what did Peter hear? Jesus said these words. What, what, what did Peter hear? Peter heard this. All the other disciples are going to fall away. And I am not. And you can imagine him thinking through this. I'm not going to be offended because of you. I've given everything to follow you. I'm not going to be offended because of you. In fact, I'm a little offended that you would insinuate that I'm offended. But that's what happened. What did Peter miss? Jesus said, all the disciples will fall away. Jesus said he would die. Jesus said he would be raised from the dead. Jesus said, after I'm raised from the dead, I will meet with all of you in Galilee. Now, is that critical information to know at this point? Yes. 
It's critical that, that they would hear that because Jesus was telling them what would happen that night and following. And if they would listen, they could have faith and hope in some of the darkest times in their life. They could have reminded each other after they all fell away. You know, as they're beating themselves up and they, they had uh, scattered like roaches when the light turns on. They, they scattered away from Jesus. And, and when they got back together, they could have got together and said, you know what? Jesus said we were going to do this. Then after he was crucified and placed in the tomb, they could have looked at each other and said, wow, Jesus said this was going to happen. And now let's start connecting the dots. What else did he say? Because if he was right about these things, he's going to be raised from the dead. And we're going to meet him in Galilee. Well, that's pretty important information right there. Instead, they saw themselves as failures. They feared for their life because they were associated with Jesus. Do you point your fingers at the disciples like I do? Are you guilty of the same thing? That you would look at the disciples and like, how could you miss that? How could you not listen to Jesus, the Son of God? You're right there with him. How are you not listening to what he had to say? And then I look in the mirror and I ask, why do I refuse to listen to Jesus? Why do I approach Jesus so casually? He's the Son of God. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my Master. Why am I so casual with this relationship? In verse 33, Jesus said, you will all fall away. And Peter said, nope, you're wrong. What what is that? He just called Jesus a liar. Jesus said, you're going to fall away, Brianna. And Brianna says, no, I'm not. You see, that's what's happening here in this. Now, it's not because he's rebellious. It's because he loves Jesus. He's saying, there is no way I'm going to be offended because of you. There's no way I'm going to stop believing because of you. I love you. I've given my life to follow you. There's no way I'm going to abandon you. Jesus, you're a liar. I guess what makes it more difficult is earlier... Peter's the one that made the great confession that Jesus, you are the Messiah. That means you're the anointed one of God. You've been chosen by God to be the savior of the world. And he confessed that he is the son of the living God. But he didn't believe what Jesus said. Peter had more confidence in himself than he did Jesus. So Peter pridefully corrected Jesus. We would never do that. Just in case, this is um, participation time. Raise your hand if you think Peter acted appropriately with Jesus. Raise your hand. I don't see anyone moving. 
We know Peter was wrong, right? That's not the way you treat the son of God. You don't tell him what to do. You don't challenge him. He's God. He's all-knowing. He's almighty. He is our Savior. We would never have more confidence in ourselves. We would never correct Jesus, would we? Well, I've got some bad news for you today. But there's good news that follows. Acts chapter 1, if you recall, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. He was speaking to his disciples then, but he's also speaking to his disciples now, to you and me, today. Now, I'll put this in perspective of my encounter with Piper and Coco. That God is saying, you will accomplish my plan in my power under my protective care if you follow me. That's pretty simple. But we hear God's plan and we say, no. I know that you say that when the Spirit comes on me, the power of the Spirit comes on me upon salvation, that I will be your witnesses. But God, I'm telling you, no. Not going to happen that way. I'm bashful. It's not going to happen that way because I just don't think that I can do it. I'm unskilled or I don't think I can do that because, frankly, I'm just unwilling to do it. What are we doing? We're doing exactly what Peter did. He says, you're going to do this. And Peter said, no. How does that play out in our Christian walk? When we just say no. You and I will not please the Lord by following our own way. You and I will not walk in the joy of the Lord with a contentious spirit. That's an argumentative spirit. Furthermore, you and I will not be in the fellowship of the Lord when we refuse to listen to him. Have you ever gone through seasons in your Christian walk? I just don't feel close to the Lord like I used to. I don't feel like the power of God is in me and that he's working through me like he used to. And is it enough that we can look in God's word and say, well, what have I not done that he said to do? Verse 34 reveals the result of not fully trusting Jesus. Verse 34, Jesus said, uh, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Before the rooster crows. Why didn't Jesus begin this section by saying, disciples, I hate to tell you this, but all of y'all are going to fall away. And then look to Peter and say, Peter... You're going to deny me three times. Why didn't he start off with that? And and here's my thought. It doesn't say this, but here's my thought. Because he did not say that previous, but he's saying it now when he sees the spirit of Peter. That maybe he's saying, 
Peter, I want to show you how far you're going to go when you cling to pride and a contentious spirit. I just want to show you where that's going to go. So all you disciples, you're going to fall away tonight. But Peter, because you're being prideful, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Man, that must have stung to hear that. The Lord's words must have pierced his heart. And God does do this to you and I through his word, through his spirit. And sometimes it stings. Sometimes we're encouraged. Sometimes we're strengthened. But oftentimes there is a conviction that comes with God's word that there is an adjustment to be made if I want to walk with him. If I want to grow closer to him, there's an adjustment that needs to be made. Something I need to let go of, something I need to cling to, someone I might need to separate from just so that I have the right influences in my life. And there are three responses to the Lord's convicting words. The first one, and I prayed that this would be the picture of us. When we hear God's word and it convicts us, that we would humble ourselves before him, acknowledging that he is all-powerful, that he is our master, and that we would confess before him the fault in our lives, and that we would repent, which means we turn from that activity, we turn from that way of life, and we turn to him. That's the first one. The second way that we would respond to a convicting word from God is we bow up. And we dig in. The third way is to turn your back on God. Peter, in this passage, like many of us, chose to dig in. He just went deeper. He went stronger. And when Jesus said that the second time, he called Jesus a liar again. So, number one, you're going to fall away. No, I'm not. You're a liar. Peter, you're not only going to fall away tonight, you're going to deny me three times. No, I'm not. You're a liar. That's not me. I'm committed to you. That would never happen in my life. He said, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. That's pretty strong language to his master who's already told him what was going to happen. I was in sales for many years. And uh, I remember a question from Julie uh, when I I was traveling a lot. And we were talking about faithfulness to each other. And I told her, honey, you'll never have to worry about me. I'm committed to you. I'm giving myself to you. We, we're, we're in covenant relationship together. And in her wisdom, she said, Steve, that's what concerns me. Because if you don't think it'll ever happen, then your guard is not up. And isn't that what happens spiritually? I would never, I would never fall into that kind of sin. That's, that's not in my nature. And so I don't need to be close to God because we're good. We start making these decisions about our spiritual walk that make no sense apart from the word of God. There is a kind of a surprising 
ending to this particular passage. See, it was not just Peter making a fool of himself again. Scripture says all the disciples said the same. See, none of the disciples believed that about themselves. Jesus, you're wrong. We would never abandon you. We would never reject you. We would never stop believing. And and that begs the question, is it our nature to think more highly of ourselves than we ought? That sin will never be a problem for me. I don't need to pray regularly. I don't need to read God's word on my own. I know what is best for me. I know what is best for these circumstances. And this will often show itself if you do pray. It'll show itself in your prayer life. Because you're giving God the options that you want to see play out. My mother's in the hospital this past week. And I could have gone to God and said, God, I pray that you would heal her. And if you don't heal her, I pray that you would give this doctor wisdom, this medication, the the ability to, to bring healing to her body. I pray that this person would come into her life. And I would just give him all the options that I could think of that he needs to take care of. Well, if you're dependent on this kid from West Virginia to to make decisions like that in anybody's life, you're sorely mistaken. So our prayer was that God's will be done and I trust you with the outcome. What else can you do? He knows what my heart is and I express that. That's part of laying my burdens down. But ultimately when I stand back up, I look to him as this is my Lord and my Savior and my Master and I trust you with the the decision. Whatever happens next, you're still my God and I will worship you and I will praise you. So we have that spirit of pride that I would never do that. And then when we hear our creator's plan that does not match our plan, we refuse to listen just like Peter did, just like the other disciples. I hear what you're saying, but no. When we refuse to listen, we choose to follow our heart. We choose to walk our own path and we hope for the best. If you feel distant from God right now, I don't mean distant like you never hear from him or see him or or connect with him, but it's not like it used to be. See, he's the same God. We're the ones who move away. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us, and, and I believe that to be true. But what do you know God said to do And you have not done it. What do you know God said to do, but you have not done it? See, this is where it hits the road. Because if we're unwilling to do what he said, then the relationship, the fellowship is broken. We're not going to grow closer to him by refusing to listen. We're not going to grow closer to him by being disobedient. We grow closer to him when we do listen and when we do follow his leadership. 
Henry Blackaby said, if you have not received a fresh word from God, return to the last thing God told you and examine your obedience. You know, as we wind this down, why are you not listening to God? And I'm asking me the same question. Why am I not listening to God? Is it a fear of change? Is it a fear of the unknown? Do you just feel inadequate? Are you too comfortable where you're at? What's the rationale? When we say no, what are we thinking? I know best for me. My plan is better than yours. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than you. I'm actually the master and I'll use you when I'm in trouble. What, what are we saying when we say no to God? The bottom line is this, and this, this is true in every case. We say no because we do not trust Jesus. We'll sing the song. We'll write in our notes. We'll raise our hands. We'll say amen. But we say no because we don't trust him. We know he's the Messiah. We know that he is the son of the living God, but we don't believe what he says in his word. You can be assured that our unchanging God instructs us according to his will and his plan. And if we would believe that, when we say yes to God, we're going to walk in fellowship with him When we say yes to God, we're going to witness his power and his work. When we say yes to God, we will magnify him in our lives. But when we refuse to listen, we don't experience his presence and his power in our lives. When we refuse to listen, we do not magnify his name. What kind of a witness is that for his people So who was right? Did Jesus get it right or did Peter get it right? Jesus said, you're going to fall away and you're going to deny me. Peter said, no, no, no. Who was right? Jesus or Peter? Say it. Jesus was right. And here's the shocker. He's always right. He is truth. If it comes out of his mouth, it is. And it will be. If you look at verse 69, we're not going to read it today, but if you look at verse 69, it happened exactly like Peter said it was going to happen. Can we just agree that God is always right? And if we can say that, and that would be our confession today, God is always right, then this is something else we can say. That way his, his instructions, listen, is always for the best. Always. So when he, when he speaks to you, when he commands you, when he commands me, when he commands his church, it's for our best, not our opinion. He's not asking us, how do you feel about this? Would you like to do this? If that's not good, I'll give you something else. That's not the conversation. This is our master speaking to his children, saying, this is my plan. This is the best. Will you join me? 
And if we listen, we say yes. Do you live to please God today? Are you listening to God today? He said to come. That's his first invitation to us. Come. You who are weary and heavy laden, come. You'll find rest. Come. Today is the day of salvation. Come. We can refuse that invitation. And when we do, we don't have rest. We don't have salvation. But if that's the invitation that you hear in your heart from God, and you say, yes, Lord, respond to him. God also says to go. And he's speaking to all of his disciples to go in the power for his glory, to live out what he says to live out, to be his witnesses as we go, to share his goodness, to share his story, to share our story, to make him known wherever we go. That's what he said to do. Are you listening to that command? We've been talking about this since the fall. Are we doing it? I've been thankful to, to hear of, of many stories throughout the week and even some this morning of how we are taking initiative, that this is priority, that we share, that we pray with other people, that that's just being part of our lives. I want to encourage you to be part of that. He said to be the church. You can't be the church if he's not your Lord and Savior. You are the church. He's also assembled us together in local groups called uh, church also, a local group of believers who, who come together and equip each other, encourage each other, and serve together. Uh, we must be connected together. We just had a, a new members class a couple of weeks ago, and part of what we studied was, why, why would we be a member? What's the purpose? Well, there's accountability that comes with membership. I'm accountable to you. You're accountable to me. We serve together. So if you're not a member, you can't serve the body of Christ. So maybe you've just been on the outside. And today's the day you said, well, today... I want to answer yes. And I want to be part of the body of Christ. And if God's calling you here, praise the Lord. If the God's calling you somewhere else, praise the Lord, go. The, the thing is, we're, we're either listening to obey or we're listening to see if we want to obey or we're just ignoring him altogether. And we're all in that situation this morning. What are we going to do about that? That's our response. Real quickly... Jesus came from heaven to earth in a miraculous way. He lived his adult uh, childhood up to his adult life, uh, having been tempted, but he never sinned. He was the perfect lamb of God. The Jews hated him. The Jewish leaders, 
They wanted him dead. And they, wanted, they started planning on how they're going to kill him. And so they lied. They manipulated the system so that he would be crucified. And Jesus willingly gave his life on the cross at Calvary as the payment for your sin and mine. Because we couldn't do it ourselves. So he became the perfect payment. God's wrath would be no more. There would be no penalty eternally for the sin we've committed because Jesus took care of it. He was placed in a tomb. And three days later, just like he told the disciples here, he was raised from the dead. He overcame death so that he could invite us to eternal life. The invitation stands today, but it will not always be. So while we have an opportunity to find him, while we have an opportunity to respond to him, it's the day to do so. If you know you need Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to come as soon as we start singing here in just a moment. Would you just come and say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. That's all you have to do. The Bible says if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And maybe that's you this morning. I'm going to pray as Ryan and Mike come up to lead us in our invitation. As soon as the music starts, I'm going to invite you to come this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for showing us your power already. Lord, I pray that as you move among us right now, as you speak to our hearts, that we are listening, not, not in rebellion, that we're not digging in, we're not turning our back, but we're listening to you. And because of who you are, because you first loved us, we say yes. Lord, may you be glorified in these next few moments as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.